I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. Everyone loves Lucy, and Desi too, for that matter. But one of the people who may have the edge on all of us would be their daughter, Lucy Arnaz. Together with her brother, Desi Arnaz Jr., Lucy has been entrusted with keeping the legacy of their parents alive. Whether it's working with CBS on something like a marathon of five colorized episodes presented on the big screen by Fathom Events, or ensuring the merchandise featuring the images of Lucy and Desi have some integrity to them. In our recent conversation with Lucy, we talked about this, but also about what it was like to grow up in the whirlwind of the greatest example of classic TV there is, the emotional affection between her parents that lasted until the time of their deaths, and the enduring power of I Love Lucy. Let's face it, nearly 70 years after the show's premiere, that love hasn't gone anywhere. I am curious about something in, in starting this conversation. I, at this stage, I imagine it doesn't blow your mind at all anymore. Maybe it does. But I'm shocked as somebody who's a longtime fan of I Love Lucy and, and your mom and dad's work that they're releasing five episodes of a sitcom from the 1950s on the big screen. Even if it's a limited release, I'm still so amazed by that. Is that amazing to you at all or not at all? Yeah, I was kind of impressed and shocked and thrilled all at the same time. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. I, I like that they're honoring it this way and, uh, and focusing on the show in such a fun way. It's fun. I think it's, a, it's, it's like they're making an event out of it, and that's very uh, hip in a weird way. Yeah. In a weird sense, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Just the fact that they colorized it, you know, to me, the colorizing of the episodes is a, it's, it's funky and wonderful. It's, oh, look at that. It could have got, couch could have been that color. And I wonder, did anybody really know what any of those colors were? Because I don't think hardly any color photographs exist really of the show at the time. So probably they're making most of this stuff up. But um, maybe one thing here, one thing there, but would they really know what all those colors are? But somehow it seems very believable when you look at it. Like, wow, that, yeah, that seems right. Maybe just to me. Because no, it works. somewhere in the back of my mind, maybe I was actually on that set one day and maybe I have a memory of the actual set. <laughs> I don't know. You know, but um, I love the idea that they think the show is worth all this effort. Oh, yeah, because it's not cheap to colorize these shows. I mean, they're doing it no, for Dick Van Dyke. Not at they're all. doing it for this. Yeah, and, and it looks right, so vibrant. Right. That's the amazing yeah. thing. Is it's not like the old colored when they used to colorize stuff and had that washed out look to it, basically. Yes, yeah, yeah sepia almost. But you know, still, I mean, I like it in black and white. I do, it didn't make the show any better or funnier to me. It's just sort of a, it's kitschy. You know, they got to look. It's colorized. But <laughs> look at that. <laughs> the comedy didn't get any funnier because it was colored. That's no, funny. no, the the black and white humor was just as good. <laughs> as the... Just as <laughs> exactly. It's funny that this woman, this Lucille Ball person, who I vaguely remember, yeah, uh, <laughs> that she is famous for being a redhead in the black and white show. It's pretty funny. That is actually pretty. I never thought of that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, but, but you know what it is too is, and I don't know if this works or not. Is like my kids. I have three kids who are now like you know thirty, twenty seven, and twenty five. If it's black and white, one of them will watch it. The other two are like, nah, I'm not watching that. And uh, I'm not watching mm, that old yeah. thing. So maybe this pumps new life yeah. into it. I don't know. Well, uh, for that reason, I'm happy that they did it. To me, I could take it either way. It doesn't bother me, and I don't need it to be colorized. I'm fine either way. But if it invites new generations to look at the show again and, and appreciate it, I think that's good because this is a, it's a good show for your soul. You know? Absolutely. I mean, it, laughter is, is really good for us, especially these days. Yeah. And uh, 
And it's, it's, I always tell people it's about unconditional love. You know, you can get into all these screwy situations and predicaments. And at the end of the day, there's somebody there who still likes you, who still says, I love you. That's, that's a good thing to think that is possible, you know? Absolutely. Is it tough for you to sort of be, and I assume this is a role you play, sort of a guardian of your parents' legacy of, of these projects that come up? I, you, I may correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you're the person or one of the people who are very involved. Well, somebody in had to be the phone call, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean somebody's got to be asked. Right. If they left their images and their likenesses as part of their estate. And we don't own I Love Lucy, but their estate owns the image and likeness of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. And that includes their images on I Love Lucy as Lucy and Ricky Ricardo. So if anybody wants to put their face on a T-shirt or they want to do various things that are not part of the whole show as a piece. Like right now, the whole show as a piece is being colorized and put out in theaters. We don't have any part of that. The, the estate has no oh. financial uh, part of that. Oh, no, we don't own I Love Lucy. It has nothing to do with us. The reason I'm even talking to you is that we do work with CBS on lots of other events and merchandise, and we are a team. We're, we're a partnership, except financially where the show is concerned. But we do a huge merchandise business with them a lot every year, and we're, when we're expanding it now, for the first time we've been partners solely together without another middleman anywhere, and we have some great ideas about that. And so all of this wonderful stuff that's happening around the show can only benefit that. So I'm happy that they're doing it. I mean, I think that's great. The more visibility for the show, the more fun it is. But what's it, to get back to your question, you know, yeah, in the beginning it was like, oh, my God, I have three children. I have a career. I, I haven't got time for the bobblehead dolls on my desk that I'm supposed to approve <laughs> right. right now. Right? Like, I don't, I don't want this. But then after a couple of years, you realize that unless you focus on it and you do it right, it's even more trouble. Then you're running around policing people and telling them not to do this and you have no right to do that. And so you got to get somebody in there to help. And then you have to spend money, say yes once in a while so you can afford the lawyer to say no. And it, <laughs> it was a whole other world, a whole other hat that you wear. Right. But that was how many years ago? You know, she my mother, my father died in 86. My mother died in 89. And so we've been doing this for a while now and finally treat it like a business because it's not going away. So you treat it like a business. You have to. And it's real estate. It's a prime piece of real estate that we try for them not to build, you know, tenements on. <laughs> that's a good and way that's to the way it. I look at it. Yeah. It's, it's not that I need to do it. It's not that my brother and I need to do this. But it's not going to go away, so we have to protect it and make sure that it's still got some class to it. And, and my daughter, Kate Luckenbill-Connor, uh, started coming with me on some of the meetings and things because I said, you know, I really would like you to pay attention to what this is. She's in her 30s now. and At some point, you know, I won't be here, and it's still going to be part of what you have to deal with. And she's an actress and a singer but she left all of that because she actually enjoyed getting a paycheck on a regular basis. Yeah, it's always nice. And Yeah, <laughs> so she went into the corporate world, and, and she's been there for 15 years, and she speaks the lingo of the business end. And when I asked her to come into some of these meetings, her age plus her business experience opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that we, was just, we just weren't doing, and we should have been. 
And, and so now I'm approaching this on a different level also because I know that the next generation actually cares and it can take a lot of the weight off of my shoulders and my brother's shoulders. So, um, yeah, I've started to actually embrace it even more than I had before at this point because it can do a lot of good. What were the revelations, though? You say, you know, you opened your eyes, she opened your eyes up to things that you had not. Oh, just that there was, there was no presence on, you know, any kind of social media was really pathetic. It was like from 1942. I don't know. It looked awful. And uh, just things weren't being followed up on properly. They, we had sort of gotten in a corner. We had we'd gotten in a, in, a, in a rut, I yeah. thought, that it could have been done better. And so we cleaned house and we changed things. And now we are working just solely with CBS and they're very excited about that. And, um, you know, we worked with a great company for 25 years who managed for CBS side and managed for our side and they were fantastic. But I, I think they had run gone as far as far as they could go, as the song says. <laughs> and, um, and now we're looking at it with new eyes and we're really stretching the limbs and thinking about it as where can we... We don't want to be all just about T-shirts and mugs, although there's plenty of room for fun stuff like souvenirs. And what is the show about, really? And what can it do for people? And how can we heal the planet with what we, what we got between the two of us? You know? Yeah. What can we do with this that actually makes a difference? Otherwise, let's just close up shop, shut the door, and leave it alone. But how do you take that, you know, your parents and what they represent and make a difference in the planet. I mean, you're talking on the one hand, and like you said, there's a lot more than T-shirts and mugs, as important as those things are. So, so how does yeah. how do you make the world a better place, so to speak? Utilizing well, what one you have. meme at a time, you know. What <laughs> meme um, at a time? One meme mm-hmm. at a time. And I mean by that, if you're going to use a face or an image, let's use it for good. Let's make a statement that makes a difference. Let's talk about. When we sat down with CBS, and, and we did a retreat, basically, like a, a nine-hour meeting uh, retreat where, you know, you literally put the whiteboard up and you go, what's the show about? Why do I care? And call it down to its essence. And you say, it's about friendship, isn't it? It's about unconditional love. It's about the value of laughter. It's about family. So let's focus Anything we do, anything we make, any experience we build on that to reinforce what's good on the planet, right? Yeah. It's not just about selling a jug. It's not just about making a buck, although that's nice. And, you know, I'm happy that we've had the ability to do that. Certainly put my kids through college and paid for their and paid for their therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Great. That they need to be my kids, you know. Uh, but there's a way that you can think about this differently. And so that's where we're we're going down that road now. Yeah. I'll let you know in four years if we've succeeded in any major way. <laughs> I'll be waiting for the phone call. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, good. Um, the other thing, too, is I Love Lucy is not syndicated the way it once was, obviously. I don't even know how strong syndication is. So the show isn't as prevalent as it was, it used to be like on Channel 5 in New York, you'd watch three times mm-hmm, a day or mm-hmm. four times a day. Mm-hmm. It, yet it stays alive. How does it, uh, this is what boggles my mind a little bit. It's like trying to understand how a show that is yeah. not that visible right now is nonetheless so alive. It is pretty astounding. It's like you can't kill it. You know, it's, 
uh, it just keeps growing like the bread in the oven in that Pioneer Women show. Even when it was off the air on CBS for five, it was like five years, and we saw some sales tank of merchandise, things that were out there that they, people could have bought that for five years, we just started to go down, 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 down. And the only thing we could attribute it to was the fact that it had actually been off the air during that time. So as soon as it went back on the air, things changed. But during that same time, there was, you know, DVDs came out. And there's always been another way to watch the show. And lots of people aren't watching things in syndication anymore. They're watching them online. They're streaming. They're buying, you know, the DVDs or whatever. Right. They, we find different ways to watch those episodes these days. And I think what happens is that parents put their kids in front of the TV because they know it's safe with that show. They know that they can watch that and that no one is going to be insulted, that it's not mean humor, it's not even current events humor. It's about friends and families and people wanting things they can't have. It's always funny because it's, it's not specific like that. And, and so you grow up with her, with them, and then you have kids and you say, oh, I want to introduce you to something that made me feel good when I was little. And I hear lots and lots of stories about, you know, my mother turned me onto this when I was little, so I always wanted my kids to sit with me and watch this. And that show has babysat now probably four generations, right? Yeah. This is amazing in itself. So I guess that's it. I guess it's, it's kind of word of mouth appreciation among the people and the friends of the show. If it went off and there was no way to watch it, that would slowly disappear because there'd be no way to turn on the next generation. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I know right now CBS All Access streams the show, I believe. Uh, yeah. Which right. is another way. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, earlier you mentioned something like when we were talking about the colorization of the show, and you said, hey, maybe I was on the set when I was a little kid and I saw the couch and it matches my memory. Um, uh-huh. What I wonder is, what is, for you, is, there, is it strange at all that here's your mom and dad on this TV show and here's your mom and dad in real life, and especially from when you were younger, I guess, was there any kind of weird disconnect between the two? Like, like how can they be there and they're here? Or, or the differences between how they appeared on screen and how they were in real life, that sort of thing? I don't remember feeling that as a kid. I mean, I may have, but who knows? I, don't, I have no memory of, of that moment of thought. Uh, to me, it just was the way it was. And, and because I grew up with that from the moment of my birth, virtually, yeah. I don't remember anything else. And Desi either. Uh, this was what my, my dad and my mom did for a living. This is the work they went away to go to do. And that's all. Um, sure, they were different. Those were the Ricardos. We were the Arnezes. You know, I mean, and I, I, I knew that. I knew those weren't the real people. Right. I mean, those weren't exact. But in the beginning, I wasn't sure. I mean, I remember crying and feeling really sad when my mother froze in the freezer, you know. <laughs> I cried my eyes on that. Oh, no, 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 no. She didn't really freeze. She's okay. She's coming home later. You know, and I didn't go to see the show on a regular basis. I was too young. It wasn't until it was like the, almost the last season of the show, like probably the sixth season. Then, then once in a while I would be uh, brought down to the set and I could watch one of the episodes. I think I saw the Lucy Goes to Scotland episode and one, one other one. But we lived a pretty normal life away from all of that. And my folks went away to work. That's 
If anything, it's just that they were working parents, like many kids have working parents today, and they don't get home till late. Right. You know, your mom, of course, has that amazing reputation, right, from I Love Lucy and from all the other shows she did and all that sort of thing. And your dad gets a lot of credit, too. But does your dad get the credit you think he deserves for his innovations, for the free I think he definitely is getting it now, yes. I think now after uh, many, many years, lots of people are acknowledging what was created in that show was historic and pioneering uh, for television. And, yes. I think that he does. And uh, it's not all him. And he, if you ever read his book, a book by Desi Arnaz, right. out on Audible now, you can actually hear <laughs> Juan Pablo de Pache read it. Nice. Um, he never takes credit really for all of that himself. He credits the people that he was smart enough to hire, you know, who figured it all out, how to do a three camera show in front of a live audience on film, which had never been done before. And to run a studio, buy a studio, run a studio at the same time that he's doing that show and performing on the show as Ricky Ricardo is a lot. He did a lot. And I think people now do know that they it's been written about. And I don't know if it was written about enough, you know, during his lifetime. But I think I think it has been now. And, and it's it's lovely that people acknowledge that. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it is. I mean, look, and look, and even your mom with Desi Lou, I mean, I happen to be a fan of two of the shows that she gave the green light to that without her, Star Trek and uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, people tell that story a lot that, you know, she was the first person to head a motion picture studio and feminist in that regard and her wonderful business sense. And if she was on the phone with you now instead of me, she would laugh her head off because she would say, I hated every minute of it. Couldn't wait to sell the studio. <laughs> Because she didn't want to do that. All she wanted to do was play in the sandbox, you know, but she was, it fell into her lap for a while uh, after their divorce. And she, you know, she did it with grace and charm and she had pretty good instincts. So once in a while, if somebody said, we got to cut the budgets to over budget and we got to get rid of some of these shows. And she said, well, let's not cut Star Trek. I like that show. Right. And then she said, you know, Gary likes Mission Impossible. Can't we save that one too? And that was two smart moves on her part. But um, she would have been very happy just to be Lucy and not have to deal with any of that. There were plenty of very capable people there doing it, you know, right. for her. Yeah. yeah. What, you know, for people who grew up on I Love Lucy and who know your mom really from Lucy Ricardo, what are the things about the Lucille Ball you think that would be most surprising to people? Just what I just told you, probably. Um, there, I think for a while there, there is a manufactured first lady of you know business uh, that they want to give her the crown for, and I think she would have been just as happy being the first lady of comedy and not have to take credit for being a business person. Um, that was not what she liked doing at all. She really liked being home with her family and she liked making people laugh. Yeah. You know, the legacy of, of the shows and especially again, I love Lucy. Was it something she always, was it something she treasured? I mean, cause a lot of people who become famous for a show want to run from it. You know, it's like, Oh my God, this thing won't leave me mm -hmm. alone. Where was she at? Do <laughs> you know what I mean? A oh, lot no, of people no, want no. to escape from the oh, thing yeah, that made no, them famous. No, my mother, uh, was always, always grateful for all the people who loved that show and who continued to love her till she died. 
Um, she was very kind to her fans. She always took time for them. She taught me, you know, if they come up and bother you while you're eating your dinner, don't get crazy. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have anything. And my father was the same way, very generous and very appreciative, very grateful for every single bit of it. They never got tired of it. Um, yeah, even not, I don't remember ever getting the sense that she was like, oh, leave me alone. Never. <laughs> right. Now, I wish sometimes, you know, that that's like when you're a kid and you're out with your folks, you would wish that they would be like that. Like, let us just have our pizza, yeah. you know, but they would never be like that. When times changed and your mom went on and she made these shows and then she came back for that life with Lucy, I think it was. Was that hard for her? The fact that the audience had didn't embrace the show, I guess. Oh, yeah, I think that's been written about a lot. Um I'm sure that was incredibly hard for her. She she had never been fired before, uh, you know, and virtually ABC just dropped the show. So it was devastating. Sure. Yeah. She did. She felt like she had failed them. And mostly she felt that she had failed the people that she uh, surrounded herself with for that last show. She was always way more concerned about her company than herself. Right. She wanted to keep those people working. But did she, she went into that show just as enthusiastically as she did anything else, right? I guess so. I was so busy working then and doing shows and having children that I wasn't really privy to any of the emotional stuff that went into the making of yeah. that. I just know that it ended and I never was at one of the tapings. I was too busy having my own thing then. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I could speak accurately to what went down on that show. It seems like a, par- a portion of my life that I wasn't connected with, you know? Yeah. No, I get a it. portion of her life, rather, that I wasn't connected with. Yeah. Yeah. You're off doing your thing, like you said. Um, yeah. You know, but now, like today, and, and we were talking about this earlier, it, it feels like you have fully embraced this legacy, your role in this legacy, and making sure that this thing gets pushed forward in a very positive way for the generations of fans and new people. Well, like I said, somebody's got to do it, and I would never want to turn it over to some couple of suits in a business. We had the opportunity to do that. Many people, many daughters and sons of legendary performers have turned over the business end to an organization just here. Send me a check. I could never do that. This is family. This is You have to be in on the decisions of what they're going to do with your mother and your father's image. It just can't do that so uh if you feel that way then you have to be involved and okay so here we go we have to we we do it because we want it done right and it isn't that i've chosen to i mean people say oh how do you feel about being the keeper of the flame or the caregiver or whatever else and i don't feel that I, that's my job but i have been raised responsibly by those two people and i know that they would want it to be done right. So that's, I'm just trying to make sure it's done right. Yeah. And I, and I got to say what's impressive about your parents is the fact that they were the first people to, I believe to own a show the way they did with I Love Yeah, Lucy. I think they did. Yeah. Which is like astounding, yeah. like su- such foresight back mm-hmm. at the time, then sold it for millions. Later, well, you know but, what? Uh, it wasn't that much foresight. It was just fricking good luck because CBS and the sponsor wouldn't put up the extra $5,000 that it would cost to do the show on film. 
They agreed to everything else. When they heard what the extra cost of the film was as opposed to the kinescope, they balked and said, no, we're not going to pay. We're not going to pay that. And so my father went, okay, all right. Well, then what if Lucy and I kick in that extra? And that was a lot of money for them back then. They had no money. They were not rich at all. Yeah. And they said, we'll, she'll pay half and I'll pay half and we'll put in that extra 5000 against our salaries. But then, then, we, then let us own the film. Then we own the film. We paid for it to be done on film, so let us own it. And they went, all right, fine. It's fine. And they agreed. And it was just like a, it was a good idea. It was a good barter, you know, but he had no idea what it actually would mean in the long run to actually own because they didn't expect it to be so famous. You know, right. they just want to get it on and, and um, turned out to be a, a really wonderful idea until later on, he decided also to sell it back to them so that they could make some money and buy the studio and all that. You know? Right. He bought RKO and sold it back. To, I think the biggest misconception about all this is that that uh, the estates that Desi and I still own a 50% of I Love Lucy, which we don't. We don't own any of it. It's all been CBS since 1957, 62, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah 57. They when they sold it. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. He, my father sold it back to CBS long before, just before they finished the last season of the show. Right. In order to, to they wanted to get bigger. And uh, somebody had uh, offered him the, the, the idea of buying a studio and they could buy RKO, which was right next door to where they were filming. And so um, CBS offered them $4.5 million. And in those days, that was a ton of money. And he, uh, they worked for four days to figure out if they could do any better by holding on to the show. But there was no syndication in those days. They had no idea how they would have ever do, done anything like that. So they said, no, this is good. This is, we'll sell this and we'll buy that and it will get bigger and it'll be great. So yep. they did. And they did get bigger and they became the largest television production company in the world. And it was fabulous. Yeah. But little did they know the show would go on and on into infinity. <laughs> 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 and syndication would be there and there you go. But the beauty is in this day and age where having the ownership of a show or a movie or whatever it is is only one tiny piece of a puzzle now. Uh, in terms of the spinoffs and the ancillary stuff and all that. So the fact that you still have your fingers in that pie in a big way is excellent. Even if you can't have the film, at least you've got all this, the side things. It's nice to be able to at least control a little bit of what happens to the images of your folks. You know, yeah. you want to make sure that it stays as classy as it ever was. And anything that we can do to see that that is true, we'll do as long as we can. And that's why I train my kids to understand the value of what it is and how it, what we say yes to, what we say no to, and things like that. Right. And like in the rest of life, it, it's amazing that as time goes on, you forget the negative stuff. Whatever went on behind the scenes and whatever went on between your parents and all that stuff, in the end, what do people remember? I love Lucy. You know, I don't even think of it the way you just said it because truthfully, the end came sooner than even that. I mean, my folks stayed, let's put it this way, scratch all that. The best thing that ever happened to them was getting divorced. Really? They had a great divorce. They had a very successful divorce. It was fantastic. I wish more kids could have, if their parents can't get along and that happens, then they should be so lucky to have a divorce like my mom and my dad did because they were kind they never said bad words about each other in front of their children, and they stayed friends till the day they died. It was a fantastic romance that even got more passionate and more friendly after they were not married to each other anymore. 
So there. <laughs> <laughs> so there. Perfect. How about that? Uh, that's pretty good, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. That's great, though. Seriously, if you can come out of it and have that positive thing, uh, that's, yeah. that's wonderful. You know, uh, because you would think, given the history, the, there would be a lot of acrimony there, and there wasn't. So that's terrific. Nope. Yep. Nope. They just knew that it wasn't working for them to stay married, and that was sad. But it once they decided to stop, then they got much got much easier for everybody. Yeah. And uh, we spent all of our weekends and summers with my dad and my mother the rest of the time. But they were very uh, p- pleasant with each other about visitation and who got who and when and. I ne- there was never a moment of animosity after that at all. Wow. I got to tell you, it's pretty amazing because I, you know, my own, my friends, my stepkids, they, they weren't always that lucky for the first few years. It's not always good. And, uh, you know, when, when p- people are arguing, it's better to not have that. It's better when they, if they can't solve it, then they should stop yeah. because that's a toxic environment and you don't want to bring your children up in that. And I, I applaud them for doing it so well. And I think people would be surprised to know it went that well. I mean, with everything we know about your parents, I don't mm-hmm. know that people realize it was that kind of divorce. Yeah, you know, you should watch the scene. The last scene in the pool in my Lucy Desi Home movie documentary is my mom and my dad in the pool with my son Simon when he was less than a year old. Right. And the way that they... Uh, are with each other. The way they treat one another in the pool is so charming. And, and you'd think they'd, they were the oldest married couple in Hollywood. Like you think, wait a minute, they hadn't been married to each other for 20 some years. What? It's charming. And, uh, and every time somebody tells me they saw that whole movie, they always say, oh, and that scene at the end in the pool. And they love it because they can see that after all those years, they're so happy that they're still getting along. Like, oh, see, they really did love each other. And the truth of it is, of course, they really loved each other. There was such passion in that marriage that, it, you know, it could go either way. It was a good thing what they did. Yeah. And uh, they created a lot of good stuff. You're going to have some explaining to do if you don't subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it and give us a five-star review. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.